Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is Scott Score Podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by former Dundee, Rangers, Cardiff City, Aberdeen and Scotland International, Gavin Ray. We discuss his first spell at Dundee, what was it like scoring a winner against Rangers at Ibrox, how he felt when he made his debut for Scotland, his move to Rangers and what was life like under Paul Le Guin and when he was given the Rangers captaincy, his move to Cardiff City and reaching an FA Cup final against Portsmouth. All this and so much more. Enjoy the show. Well, Gavin, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Pleasure, mate. No problem. So, first of all, I need to ask, what made you make the switch from Scotland to Australia? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, my wife's Aussie. Simple, simple answer. Um, you know, my wife was in the UK, you know, for the majority of my career, for like 12 years from when I met her, um, until we moved back. And it was always a plan to move back. So, I've been coming to Australia since... 2002, basically. Um, so I became about, we emigrated in 2014, but I'd been back here about eight, nine times in that time. Um, so we'd always come back in the close season uh, to visit my wife's family. And, and obviously I started meeting people in Australia and sort of got more familiar with it. And it was always a plan that when I retired playing professionally, then that then we would move. And that's basically what transpired. Yeah, so when was the last time you were back in Scotland? Um... Last was it last year? Yeah, I was back in Scotland last year actually. So I was up in Scotland last year. Um, was back in visiting family in England, um, some of my wife's family, and then I was up in Scotland as well. So yeah, it was uh, last April last year. As soon as COVID, as soon as the the restrictions lifted from COVID, we were straight back basically. Mm. So obviously we'll dive into your career because obviously you've had a great career, Gavin. So we'll start off where where you really start your career at Dundee, coming through the ranks there. What was it feeling like when you first signed your professional contract? Um, obviously, a lot of like relief, you know, pride. Obviously, it was it was a long time coming because I wasn't like one of these kids who like had all these clubs like clamoring after them, or you know, a lot of my friends had all signed S forms. I'd never signed any S forms with any club, and I pretty much went straight to Dundee at the YTS. Um, so when you get through the YTS, and, and that was tough, but when I got through that and then got offered like pro contract, then obviously delighted, obviously delighted with that, yeah. And then what was it like when you made your pro debut? It was good, like, it always came pretty fast. Like, the first year at Dundee when I was YTS, I was I was struggling a bit and then got kept on for the second year and did really well. I was playing all the youth games, all the reserve games, and then... That second year, I actually played first team as well. So it actually happened quite rapidly in terms of like, um, you know, from one year struggling to the next year, like playing all the games and then getting an opportunity to to play for the first team and then basically sign pro just before that. So it all happened really quickly. But, you know, you look back at it and it's kind of kind of like naive as to what it is, you know, but as the longer you go through your career, you, you realise how big a occasion it was. You know, I was lucky to play over 500 games, so... You know, when that first one, when you do it, you're like, oh, that was that was great. But I, I don't think you realise just how momentous that is um, as a young kid. But it's more when you look back on it now, uh, you just realise like how how big an opportunity that was and, and how lucky you are to get that opportunity to play pro. Um, and you've got to work hard and you need a bit of luck, of course. But to actually do it and, and you know, look back on it is, is something with, you know, immense pride for sure. Yeah, so like I can imagine as well, like, see, in the moment, you're not really taking it in. But as you said, like, when you look back, you're like, I done pretty good. 
Yeah, no, totally. And that, to be honest, that's like you. I think that if you asked a lot of pro players and, and sports people that that's kind of what it's like in, in, in the environment because you're, you don't get a chance to relax. You've always got to think about what's next. So you don't really get a chance to enjoy it in the moment. Um, it's not till when you're done um, that you sort of look back and, and you can look back with pride. And and like I say, I was the biggest thing for me in my career, I was just delighted to play for like 20 years, like continuously. Uh, a couple of injuries during that, but majority of the time played. Um, and you look back and you just think like, you don't realise how big it is until you're finished, definitely. Because in the moment, it's like, okay, next game. I've got to go to the next game. I've got to get ready for the next game. I've got to be switched on. And maybe not playing particularly well. Um, so you go, oh, what what can I do to get better? Um, so in the moment, it's just it's so like so much, so much going on that you don't really get to enjoy it that much. And it's more like definitely when you finish, is you look back with more pride of of what happened, you know. Yeah, would you say you got nervous before every game? I, to be honest, I didn't really get nervous between before any game. I got nervous before a couple of big games that I played in, like first Scotland game, FA Cup final, Scottish Cup final, you know, big games, like huge, huge games. Apart from that, I didn't really get nervous. I always like always used to think like I always used to try and like bring it back to at the end of the day, it's basically eleven v eleven. He's having a you're having a kick about, you're on a grass field having a kick about you know, with your mates, basically your teammates. So try to sort of normalise it as much as I could. So I never really get nervous before much games, to be honest. I was pretty calm. Um, but some of the big games, you sort of, you feel that butterflies for sure. Um, but mostly, like, the majority of my career, I wasn't, wasn't nervous, to be honest. Am I right in saying it was Jim Duffy that gave you your uh, debut? It was, yeah, yeah. So Duff signed me, Duff came up and watched me in Aberdeen um, and signed me as a YTS player and then... Um, had me involved this, not the first year the second year had me involved with the reserves I actually played a few games with Duff in the reserves Duff was brilliant because he was incredible in terms of learning off of um, and then you know standing in a good stead for going and having a really good career he was tough but he was honest like dead set honest like would tell you we're good tell you we're poor um, so it was Duff that gave me my opportunity and um, yeah I've got a massive respect for, for Duff and what he'd done for me in my career and yeah, it was him that gave me the opportunity to play with the first team, yeah. Yeah, was he quite an intimidating manager to play under? Uh, he was a bit, like, but more like, I think back in the day, it was definitely like, it's different to what it is now. Like, it was like, it could get crazy, but I actually liked his his method because, like I say, he was really just brutally honest. If you were terrible, he would tell you were terrible. And if you were really good, he would tell you were really good. And, and that's what you can ask for, you know. You don't like, you don't want people with hidden agendas and not telling you the truth. And uh, that's what I like about Duffy. He was just straight down the line, you know, good or bad. Um, and mostly that's down to the player. But um, yeah, I just liked his honesty, to be honest. Yeah, can you tell me the story about what happened at Perth Races and the, the way Jim Duffy reacted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, um, wow, that's a blast from the past. Yeah, so I was in the YTS at that point, so. I wasn't involved in the actual day at the races, but I think the story goes basically they'd they'd went to the first team had went to the the Perth races, had a full day out. I think they trained in the morning, many bus down, had the night out, I had the day out, sorry, all day. And and to be honest, like the first team back in that day, like there were some there were some big characters in that team that um, you know, were like the night out, but were like top players, but loved the night out and were you know, pretty full on and energetic. So um I think someone 
think the story goes, someone had stolen the ladder from the the guy who does the starter pistol for the races or like the finishing post or something like that. It stole the, like the, uh, the the ladder from that, took it back in the minibus. It ended up in the first team dressing room or it was back at Den's and Duff obviously got wind of it. Duff didn't drink, so he was never really big on players, you know, going out anyway. So when he'd, when he'd heard this and what he thought was obviously a big disrespect to him and the club and, you know, everyone for letting him go out on the day out, he just went bananas. So um, it wasn't pretty the next day. Uh, the boys were in doing a lot of running the next day, let's just say that. Who would you say was the, like, the biggest character in that Dundee squad back then? Oh, we had some massive characters, yeah. We had, we had Alan Dinney, Steve Pittman, Gary McEwen, uh, Ray Farningham, Noel Blake, Gordon Tanner. Like, there were just so many, like, so many big characters, like old-school characters. Not so much you get probably now in, in football as much, but, like, proper, like, um, old-school football players. And it was, it was, you know, looking back, it was great to be around. Intimidating, definitely, but... Um, good to learn from and good to be around and and sort of learn your learn your trade and learn your respect that you know these were first team players and they let you know that and you have to earn your earn the respect which I think is not a bad thing to be honest. I get the impression that you were the the, the sensible one out of the group. I get that impression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. I've always I've always been pretty much like that. You know, um, I, I don't get me wrong. I loved the night out and that during the day uh, during my career. Sorry, but I've got I, I get. You've called it right. I was pretty pretty sensible, to be honest. Yeah, because I, I remember, I, I think you'd done an interview with Sai Ferry, and I think you were speaking about how, like, the players back then would drink during the week, but then you were like, you know what, I'm just going to stop this because it's no worth it. Yeah, yeah, no. So I'd, I'd basically, that was like, when I was playing, that was a couple of years after I was playing the first team, and you know you're young, and Dundee was a great place to live, a student say. So there was plenty of nights out happening, and, and we... Like we went hard for a few weeks, and then I just thought, you know what, this I need to knock on the head and and really knuckle down in my career. I was like 21, 22, but just thought, you know, if I want to have a career, I've got to like, you know, really respect my craft and and um and try and prolong my career as long as I could. So yeah, as I say, I like to and from that day, from that time, sort of like to love the night out at the right time, but would never do it at the wrong times. That's just that's just not me. Yeah, and one of your standout moments at Dundee was scoring a last-minute winner against Rangers at Ibrox in 1999. How'd that feel? Amazing. Yeah, I think it was my 22nd birthday, uh, that actual day. So, um, yeah, it was amazing, you know, for a club like Dundee to go down to Ibrox. It was a Sunday, the game, and, and um, just the timing of the ga- the goals, because obviously, like, we were getting, we were under the pump, as, as you all normally are at Ibrox as a, as a smaller club, and... Um, yeah, managed to hang in, got the equaliser, or maybe went one up and they got one back, but then I managed to score just towards the, the end of the game. So they pretty much didn't have much time to come back. They actually had another chance after I scored, but luckily we kept it out. And, and obviously it's a, it's a big result that goes down in Dundee's history. And, you know, to be part of that and be the player that scored the, the winner was was great. But, um, yeah, it was, it was especially great because it was obviously it was my birthday as well. So it was a... It was a top night, top night out after that, basically. Oh, I can imagine, I can imagine. Uh, what was it like working under Benetti? Am I right in saying at first you and him didn't really see eye to eye? And he, I think he stole uh, your number as well, number eight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, no certainly, I'm not sure if he didn't see eye to eye. He just didn't, he didn't particularly rate me as a player. And 
and that's that happens as coaches, you know. And and like you say, he took my number. Um, I was gutted. But I was more gutted because the year before playing in the Premier League, I, I played the most minutes apart from one player in the Premier League that the previous season. I think Stephen Presley at Hearts was the only player that played more minutes than me in the Premier League. So to go from that to the next season, new coaches, you know, a, a clean slate, and that that that, that happens, but. Um, like I wasn't even on the bench. I wasn't even involved. Basically, I was in the in the stand like all the time, and didn't particularly know who I was and in my history and and what I'd done the season before. So that was probably that was the hardest thing to take, I think. Um, and then yeah, you can you can either give up or you just try and prove them wrong. And I just kept at it and kept at it. And luckily, one of the boys got sent off, and I got a sniff and and pretty much never looked back. And it it, it went full circle. Like he went from. Dario and Ivano went from like not even so much caring about who I was and what I what I'd done previously to like being one of their favorite players, which was which is very strange, but it just shows you how quickly things can change. And um, yeah, he was actually really good, and I loved actually different coaching methods. You know, a lot more tactical, not as much like football during the week, a lot of strength and fitness stuff, um, and loads of tactical stuff. But it really stood you in good stead for the Saturday when you came, and plus we had some really good players at that time. So it was it was actually a really enjoyable period of my career, um, even though it started off really tough. Yeah. So how did it not work out in the end by Fabretti? Would you say? I think I think Dundee at the time had sort of tried to follow a method that had been proven in um, Spain and in Italy, maybe abroad, where they would take players from different countries into Scotland or into a different country, but, you know, and really let them do really well and then try and get transfer fees from them. But pretty much, like, the timing of it was terrible because I think, like, I don't know if it was the Bosman area, if Bosman came in or something happened that the transfer market just died sort of thing. So it just didn't really work out. And then there was probably players at Dundee on too much wages where they'd sort of taken a gamble to try and get them in and sell them for bigger fees. And just the whole timing of it just sort of fell apart. And and that's basically what happened. Um, you know, the, the club had a really tough time of it. And then that's that's basically when all the changes changes happened, really. Yeah, do you think the Dundee board were like, they had like unrealistic expectations and they were punching above their means? I think definitely the the strategy was to, the, the strategy was definitely well thought out, I think where they had seen it replicated previously in different countries, they were trying to do it with, as I said, get these players in who are not so well-known in in Britain, get them into Scotland, make them do really well, um, which they were doing really well, and then sell them for higher fees. So I think the strategy was right. I think just the timing was wrong, to be honest. Yeah. So who would you say was the best player you played with during your first spell at Dundee? Well, I mean... Obviously, Kanija comes into the came into the fray at that time. He's he's probably the best player I've ever played with. Like he was like levels above anything I've ever seen, especially at Dundee. And obviously, I was lucky to go to Rangers and see some top players. But just like Kanija was just he was outrageous, outrageous for like his ability. And and he was thirty three at that point, so he must have been like phenomenal in his in his peak. He would have been ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Is it true he would actually smoke cigarettes in the toilet before games? Yeah, he loved a cigarette. Yeah, he loved to. He'd always go in, 
we'd be doing our team talk and he, you could just hear people, you could just hear him in the in the toilet just having a, a quick fag and then go out and be the best player in the park by a mile. Just uh, just just different, yeah. Just different. I can never get away with that nowadays, man. Like the papers will be all over that fight. If a player would say smoking in the toilets before a game, man. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, he's just like he was so he was such a good guy. He was literally laid back, chilled out. Um and what I sort of noticed during my career, like a lot of the South American players like in training, you know, Scottish Scottish mentality, Scottish players, you're like training is like hundred percent, you're going every day, it's full on. Because that's what we know, that's what we're built on, that's that's where we have good careers from. Um, and I've you know coming across like not so much Italian because they were really professional, but South Americans pretty chill during the week. Like uh, yeah, not not as definitely not as much application towards training. But come come the Saturday, they're just like flick a switch in there. Absolutely phenomenal. It's it's actually it's amazing to see like Kenija during the week very chill. Come the game, flick a switch, incredible. Um, and I don't think. It's definitely not the Scottish mentality to do that. And we just, I don't know if we could do it. Or I, I certainly couldn't. I had to sort of train the way I played. Um, but certainly seeing them being able to flick a switch and just turn it on a match day when it mattered was, um, it was interesting. It was great. It was great to see. So you made your Scotland debut against Poland in 2001. And I think you got 14 caps for Scotland as well. What was it like when Craig Brown phoned you and said, Yeah, do you want to be a part of the Scotland squad, Gavin? Yeah, it was amazing, to be honest. Um, you know, I'd never been involved in Scotland at all as a, as a kid, like all through the age groups until the 21s. So I played for the 21s, you know, I started playing first team at Dundee and got in the 21s, which I absolutely loved. It was amazing, amazing being around that group and playing for Scotland in the 21s and being on that plane, you know, travel to these countries with, with the national team and you watch the, the first team the next night and it was just amazing. So to actually get involved with the, with the first, first team in Scotland was yeah, it was obviously something you strive for, and um, yeah, it was it was yeah, it was an amazing feeling to be honest. Yeah, because a lot of players talk about when they get like the call from the national team manager, they always they always think, oh, it's got to be a wind up, it's got to be one of the boys stitching me up here. Like, did you think that when you seen Craig Brown come up on your phone? You're like, no, it's got to be a wind up. Yeah, but I don't know if there was mobile phones back in that day, but, so yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure, you know what I mean. I'm pretty sure it was like the, the office lady who told me, um, because you they used to send they used to send out a letter, and then the secretary from the club would find out and then they would tell you. It's not like now where you've got like mobile phones and it's it's obviously a lot easier and it comes up on the TV and, you know, it's out pretty quick. Um, but yeah, obviously I'd, I'd seen the process from 21s and then obviously to carry that on into into the first team was was amazing. But yeah, I was still, still young at that point and, and playing with some really experienced players and players that had been around the Scotland squad for years. So um that was intimidating a little bit, but yeah, you just you just got going with. Yeah, so obviously the Scottish Cup final against Rangers. Um, do you feel as though that was a missed opportunity not to win that game? Definitely. And yeah. no, I think not so much at the time, but if you hear the stories over the years, you know, they obviously had um the opportunity for the treble, but they just won the league the week before and um I think they hit it hard, uh going out and nights out and stuff. So, you know, when you look back and I was glad I'm glad about that what happened, but in ten in saying that. To play for Dundee in a Scottish Cup final, first team, you know, after being with the club for so long, still a massive, massive occasion, which I absolutely loved. And obviously having all my family down, they'd hired the minibus from Aberdeen and came down to the game. And it was a boiling hot Scott day in Scotland, I remember it. Um, and the game could have went either way. You know, we hit the post early, just couldn't get the breakthrough. And then they scored from a corner and, and obviously got the treble. So 
definitely a missed opportunity for us, but it was always it was always going to be tough. Mm. And it also Dundee went into administration in two thousand three. Were you really surprised when it did happen? I can think surprised just because didn't really know what that was, and you know didn't really understand what that meant. Um, it was obviously there was obviously issues behind the scenes. There was a lot of things going on, so. You know, not surprised that something was happening, but just didn't really understand what administration meant, and it meant like so many players leaving. So that was tough. You know, I'd been with, for instance, big Jamie. Jamie Langfield was goalkeeping with us, uh, my team from the youth team right through and into the first team, and been with the club for about eight nine years. And then you know, the next day he's gone because of administration had to get rid of so many players. So, and my brother in law also was there. So yeah, it was tough. It was a tough time there. Tough. Yeah. So, so also when Dundee went into administration, did you like were you like okay, I'm going to be leaving here anyway because obviously they've seen you as like a big asset. Yeah, no, I was in a pretty good position in terms of myself and and being able to help the club and and you know that was basically the reason they told me why I stayed because they were looking to try and cash in and get a little bit of money for me. It wasn't it wasn't much money, but still money that helped. Um, and then yeah, it was just like to be able to give something back to Dundee who had been so good to me. So. Um, yeah, I was happy to stay, but it was it wasn't it was tough times for sure. Yeah, and is is it true that you put your signing on fee into the the, the club's youth academy? Yeah, yeah. So basically, I had um, in my contract that a, a certain amount of my signing on fee would um, go to me, basically. And um, you know, I spoke to I spoke to Duff about it at the time because Duff had came, I think Duff was back at that point. Duff had came back to the club after yeah. Benetti's, um and he, you know, with a chat about it, and he was, he was like, we were just talking about it, and he's, you know, um, I'm, you know, decided that that would be a good thing to do, and I, you know, totally, totally understood and agreed with that, and was more than delighted to do that, you know. Yeah. So the the move to Rangers came about in the January window. Um, when that happened, what was that like when you were going along to Murray Park to do your medical and sign? Yeah, that yeah, interesting. It was definitely intimidating. I'd been up in I was up in Aberdeen visiting visiting family and uh, McLeish, McLeish called me and you know saying it was happening and obviously I spoke to my agent. So get back to Dundee, get my stuff and get back down the get down the road to to Glasgow and um, get medical. And like I said, I'd never done any I'd never done any like that before. I hadn't signed anywhere. I'd just been at Dundee my whole career. So it was um it was all new things to to get your head around. And then obviously go to Murray Park and obviously a huge club, huge club with some amazing players. So it was, um, I think it was, it was the right timing in terms of I was at that stage in my career that I was ready to do it because I'd been at Dundee for so long. I'd played so many prem games. I was ready for the next challenge. So the timing was good in terms of that. So that was great. Um, and I was really excited to go to Rangers and, and hopefully win, you know, trophies because I think that's where I was in my career. I was ready for it. So but in saying that, it's still, still intimidating going to a new club and, and you with some unbelievable players, you know. Did you not have to do some sort of, like, skill drill on the day you were signing? Yeah, yeah. So, basically, I'd done my medical um, and I'd had a, I had a, had a slight hamstring issue for a, a few weeks. Nothing, it was nothing major. It was just basically like a hamstring tear. Um, and I was on the way back from that rehab and, and then done my medical, all those scans and stuff, and that was all fine. And then I had to do a, like a fitness test on the pitch. Um, and just so happened at the time that Michael Moles and Ronald De Boer were working their way back from injury as well. So it was the physio, myself, Mikey and Ronnie. Um, 
and obviously them two being incredibly skillful players and legends of the club. Um, it was interesting. You know, I just had to get through that skills drill and skills not be my sort of forte, I would say. You know, I can do skills, but it's not really my, it's not what I'm built on and what I do. Um, it was it was challenging. But again, it was, it was a good learning experience because just to know that you've got to be able to be comfortable in this environment with these players and step up to the mark. So, you know, I got through it felt comfortable doing it and then which was good and obviously signed the deal um so but it was yeah it was just like yeah doing it with these two two legends it was uh it was tough yeah and obviously you made your debut against Celtic what a game what a first game to make your debut in <laughs> Aye. no it was um obviously played against Celtic many times for Dundee but obviously not in an old firm game so um yeah as I say I saw I had this hamstring injury but had trained all week and felt great and was was doing well flying and uh, McLeish said, yeah, we're going to start here. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, delighted. Buzzing, ready for it. And um, got into the game and just like just realised just how big a game it is and the atmosphere. And obviously at Celtic Park, it was really noisy, obviously. Um, intimidating. But yeah, no, I, was, I was enjoying the game until I'd, until I did my hamstring, basically. And obviously you were playing with some big names at Rangers, like Stefan Claus, Frank DePauer, Michael Moles. Like obviously that would you must have had a lot of pressure on you as well because obviously you were at Dundee. I would say you're probably like the main man at Dundee. Then you go to Rangers and then you obviously <laughs> you're like you're with all these sharks, shall we, shall we say, all these big names. Uh, that happens. Oh, I mean that's that's something you've just got to adapt to. Um, if you want to go to that next level in your career, tough, definitely. You know, definitely a learning curve, um, steep learning curve. But you know, if you want to go to that next level, that's that's the stuff you've got to learn quickly and do and do well. So. And always like confident, not overconfident, you know, but certainly confident in my own ability and that I could hack it at that level. And um, obviously, been playing for Scotland, played against other nations and stuff. So yeah, I was always I was pretty confident in my own ability. I could hack it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, it's a steep learning curve for someone that's never had it before. But that's you know everyone's got to go through these through these periods, you know. Oh yeah. So, what was it like when? What was the story with uh, you and Stefan Kloss? I think you had a bit of a disagreement because I, I think the papers misquoted you or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, so you know, I think I learned really quickly that you've got to watch what you say. You know, in terms of with the press and stuff, not nastily, but it's, you know, any word, anything you say can be manipulated to the way they want to sort of portray it. And um, somebody just asked me like. I think it was like, you know, if as growing up in Scotland, obviously I've seen old firm games, Celtic Rangers obviously need to be up at the top and doing really well. And maybe people coming from different countries don't see that. And I says I pretty much agree. So like, yeah, obviously if you live up if you grew up in Scotland, you're familiar with that fixture and um, you know, you've probably seen more of it. And the the sort of the headline the next day was foreigners don't understand what it means to play for Scotland, uh, play for Rangers. And I, I was like, wow, okay. Like, because I'm like obviously in a, in a group where players had won won the league already for Rangers. So it was just like, it didn't come across well. And it's a, it was just, again, another really steep learning curve and quick learning curve that you just need to watch what you say and, and be respectful for everyone. And I didn't mean it disrespectfully, it just sort of came out of that. And then Stefan obviously wasn't too happy with that. And, you know, we ended up being really good mates, Stefan and I. Yeah, but that that was just early in my career at Rangers, and yeah, just another thing you didn't need. You know, so it was um, it was tough. Yeah, and I, I think obviously, um, 
what was that? You were good friends with Michael Moles as well, and I think he like had your back that day when Stefan Stefan was having a bit of a go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mikey and I were, were close, and I think he, I think he just sort of said to Stefan, you know, um, you know what it's like. You know, it's he's not obviously said it like that. You know what the, the press could be like, um, and really stood up for me, and um, which was great because on the day I felt terrible, and I didn't really mean, I definitely didn't mean to be disrespectful at all, but just sort of the way it came across. And uh, but Mikey was great. He just says, "Steph, come on, you know what it's like," and. And then it sort of fizzled out, and as I say, we were we ended up being really good friends as well, me and Steph. And so, what was it like working under Alex McLeish? Uh, did you have a good relationship with him? Yeah, yeah, you know, great. Obviously, signed me and a lot of respect. Um, obviously, I'd grown up in Aberdeen, and Alex McLeish was a big, a big hero when he was playing for Aberdeen. So to get signed from him um, was amazing. Uh, obviously, a big club and you know, a huge club in Rangers. So um, he'd been there and sort of done it. So yeah, no, I really enjoyed working with him. It was great. So after McLeish leaves, Paul Gwen comes in. What was the player's reaction to him becoming new manager? Because back then he was like some like he was a big name in Europe. Uh, no, yeah, no, definitely. I think he was. It was a big coup for Rangers at the time because you know lots of clubs were stepping about him. He'd obviously done really well with Leon. Um, there was talk of Real Madrid, and and obviously Rangers managed to get him. So I think the players were excited. To be honest, it was um, McLeish left obviously, and it was it was an, a good opportunity for someone new to come in with fresh ideas and. Yeah, I think the boys were really excited about the appointment, to be honest. So what was the training like under Le Guin at first? Just really different. Um, just really different. I'd sort of seen similar already, obviously, with Italians. Very different to the Scottish sort of training. And obviously, McLeish being um, Scottish as well, sort of probably what we would be used to. Um, just really different, like different sort of uh, warm-ups, different actual training. Um, just different to what we're used to, and people sometimes struggle with change. And as I say, I've you sort of get seen. I've seen it through my career a, a lot of times. Just different methods, and you've just got to be open minded and and get on with it. And to be honest, I think all the boys were. I think the boys embraced it and got on with it. Um, but it was just different, different, definitely. So, see when uh, Paul Gwen and Rickson had their fallen out. See at that point, did the players start to see some red flags in the Gwen's man management? Uh. I don't know. I don't know if it was like if you could say that. It was more like, like he'd, he'd set his stall out from the start, like pretty much. This is it. This is this is the way. Do it, or don't be part of it. Basically, so I think the boys sort of knew already. Um, Fernando was going through some stuff in his life at that point, and just again, the timing wasn't great for them two to be working together. Um, but yeah, he was obviously a massive player for us, Fernando, at that point. So. It was again tricky because anything like a big like that happens, it can sort of shift the group and shift everyone's, you know, how comfortable everyone is with each other. So it was, um, and it was it was in preseason, so yeah, it was it was tough. But like like he sort of said, it was it was his way of the highway. So you sort of got to respect that and get on with. So what was the dressing room atmosphere like with the new signings that Paul Gwen brought in? Was it like a tight unit, or was there kind of a wee bit of a divide? The boy, to be honest, the boys, all the boys that came in were good. You know, they were good, good guys. I think, and I've sort of said this before. I think he just changed like so much, too much, like just uh, changed too much really quickly. Sorry, so he brought in a lot of players. So it was a lot of changes uh, within the squad. And you know, when new players come into a club, the, the, if you're new, you sort of stick together because you're, you're all experiencing the same thing together. Um, 
and the boys, the team that was there, the squad that was there, like I, again, I, th- I think they were really welcoming and everyone was together. So I didn't think that was an issue at all. But I think it just changed a lot really quickly. So, see, at, w- at what point would you say the players and yourself as well were like, okay, this, I don't think this appointment's working out here? I think probably the same time as the fans, to be honest. Just um, if, you, if you don't get results at a club like Rangers, like you're, you're going to be struggling. If you do not get, if you do not win every week, and win convincingly every week. There's going to be there's going to be issues. Um, we weren't particularly getting results consistently, and obviously, as as pros at a top club, we want to be winning, um, and we weren't. So it was um, it was difficult. That was that's that's the thing. Like everyone just wants to win, and when we weren't, then obviously there was there was issues. The fans started getting on his back. And then the squad are obviously like, oh, come on, we want to win as well. And it just it just didn't work, to be honest. Um, but I think, as I say, I think he changed a lot. Changed too much too quickly, I think. Yeah, and so obviously the bust up with Ferguson, Paul Le Guin, had that been boiling up with them for a, a good while, would you say? I don't know if a good while, but certainly, like, just, again, differences of opinion. Bassett had hip surgery. I think he'd been out for a while and then... As soon as he's back in training, Legrand was expecting miracles from, you know, distances they should be running, and Bass just wasn't ready for it. And then, as I say, like the the biggest catalyst for the for what happened was results. You know, he wasn't getting results, and, and Bass has been used to being winning, as a lot of the players had been. Um, and it just sort of bubbled up. Nothing, as I say, I don't think nothing, nothing too sinister, nothing too big uh, during the season. In the first half of the season, but it just sort of, it just sort of escalated towards the end of his time. To be honest, yeah, am I right in saying it really came to a head between Ferguson and Le Guin after a, a draw against Inverness away from home? I oh, definitely, I was part of it. You know, I think um, we we drew, and obviously that wasn't good enough. And I think Baz had had a pop at everyone as he should do. He's, he's captain, you know, as as he'd done many years in the past over all his hundreds of games for Rangers. So, you know, nothing different to him. But I don't think Le Guin took too kindly to Bass having a pop at everyone. And again, this is cultures, different cultures, different ways of managing people. And that sort of didn't go down too well. And and that definitely wasn't, it wasn't helpful in that situation for both of them, um, rubbing each other up the wrong way. So, yeah, that's basically, that was a big part of it towards the end, yeah. Yeah, so what was it like playing with Barry Ferguson? Because obviously he's a very intense, demanding player, and obviously you yeah. played the same position like alongside him. What was that like? Yeah, no, listen, Baz and I played against each other, you know, same age, against each other for the youth team. So I know I know Barry really well. Um, obviously a top top player. He's one of the best players Scotland to produce. He was he was a tremendous player. Um, but yeah, definitely demanding, and definitely expects a lot for his club, which he's quite right, and he should. Um. But yeah, you know, I enjoyed playing when I played for him, played with him for Scotland, played with him for Rangers. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So well, uh, Ferguson obviously got gets uh, stripped to the captaincy, and then you were given the armband. What was that like? Interesting, definitely interesting. You know, just because I hadn't really been playing, and um, you know, sort of thrust into that spotlight. You know, you mentioned about being nervous for games. That was one game. The game after that, when we played Motherwell the next day, that's definitely one game I was nervous for, just because of the whole. You know, situation and what had happened um, with the Gwen stripping Baz of the captaincy and giving it to me, who wasn't really playing, but I knew I would be playing the next day. So it was, um, yeah, it was very interesting time. Yeah, interesting. Did they, Le Guin, 
I did regret the see Paul when did he pull you aside or did he say it in front of everyone like get Gavin raising your Rangers captain? Well, he said that he definitely told so he told Baz first. I think he pulled Baz in first to tell him he wasn't, and then he pulled me in to say I was the captain. Um, and then obviously we went to we were out in the dressing room and all the boys were talking about each other. And I, I, can't, I don't know if I don't know if the Gwen actually told everyone in front of like the dressing room. I can't really remember that to be honest. Um, but it was yeah, basically like I was captain, that was it. And uh, obviously after the Millerville game, um Rangers won one now, but Le Gwen left after that. Um what was the player's reaction um when, when he left? Oh, to be honest, I don't think there was much surprise just because of the way it sort of panned out. You know, um I think he was, you know, making a mark in the sand, uh drawing a line in the sand that was just like, listen, this is what I'm doing. If you're not happy with it, you need to I mean get rid of me basically. And you know, he, he took a big gamble because obviously Baz is one of the most popular Rangers players over the last generation and um he was trying to obviously put his set his soul out, but yeah, I think he, I think he knew by doing what he did that the club had to take a decision. You know, either way, it was going to be him or it was going to be the club, um, and yeah, that's basically why I think that's what he did. To be honest, so I don't think it was too much surprise when it when it happened there, just because of just the backlash and just the whole situation. There was just so much going on. It was just like I don't think the players were that surprised, to be honest. Obviously, regardless, even though it was a tough situation, it must have been a proud moment when you, you were told that you're going to be the new Rangers captain. I oh, listen, I've yes, definitely proud. I mean, I've captained every club I was at um, for periods, and you know, to be able to say that and play for Rangers is, is a massive thing. So, yeah, no, definitely um, proud of it. It was a tough time, but definitely proud of it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, but so overall, how would you sum up like what was it like your relationship with Paul Le Guin? Like, would you say that you got on with him, or? I think I think you could probably sum it up by with a professional relationship. Like, I think he respected how much I'm dedicated to my craft and how professional I am as a player, and I want to do my best every day, you know, all the time, um, and and really focused on my craft and, and playing football, um, but not like definitely not matesy, definitely just really professional relationship where I think he respected what I done. And yeah, that's that's basically how I would I could sum it up to be honest. So obviously Paul Gwen leaves and then Walter Smith uh, comes in. What was it like working uh, under Walter and Alan McCoyst? Loved it. Loved Walter. Uh, what a legend. And Coisty and Kenny, obviously the two coaches as well. I had a great time and just you know, after like the six months that Gwen was there, it was just a, it was just an enjoyable time, you know. They sort of you sort of fall back into what you know and, and, and familiarity and, and enjoying what you're doing. Um, I loved it. You know, I thought they were great. I th- Walter, you know, utmost respect. He was so, such a good guy, so respectful of everyone, um, including myself. And, you know, I, I loved that. I had a really good relationship with him, with Walter as well. So, and I'm sure most of the boys do because that's the kind of character he was. He was just open, but definitely you had to respect him. Um, and yeah, I enjoy, really enjoyed working with them. Yeah. So at, at the end of the season, yeah, your contract was up. Was there ever talks with Rangers about you potentially signing a new deal? Yeah, so I spoke to Walter. So Walter said um, like he would offer me another year. Um, I'd had a couple of, couple of years out, basically injuries. I had two knee surgeries during my time with Rangers, which was obviously disappointing because I missed two calendar years, basically. So for me, it was just a, just need a fresh start. I mean, we still had some top players playing in my position, you know, when I'd been out for so long, they'd sign some top players to play centre midfield. So 
sort of felt like I'd missed my opportunity to play at Rangers just because of my injuries and really not really get a fair go at it because it just happens and that's football. Um, so I just felt it was just the right time. You know, I'd been in Scotland. There was, I'd been about, I think it'd have been about 27, 28 at that point. Played in Scotland my whole life. I just thought, you know what, it'd be nice just to get something fresh. Go and see some new new um, stadiums, new teams to play against, just something different. And that's basically what it came down to. So I sort of said that's what I need. To, he totally understood. So um, that was, it was time to move on, to be honest. Yeah, and obviously during your time at Rangers, you played by a lot of uh, top players. Who would you say was the best one that you played with? Oh, I mean, we got some top players. I mean, I, I love playing, say, Shaw, Shaw Avalaze, top player. Um, Ronald and Frank De Boer, both um, ridiculously good players. Um, yeah, you know, obviously got to play with a lot, a lot of good players. Arteta was there as well. Um, so yeah, there's there was a lot of good players. Hard to narrow down, but um, yeah, I'd probably say like, probably Frank at that time was was very good. Fernando obviously got Player of the Year. He was on fire at that point. Um, so yeah, there was, there was some great players there. Yeah. So obviously you moved down to Cardiff City and you played in the FA Cup final. What would you say was more pressure, the Scottish Cup final or the FA Cup final? I think the FA Cup final was just because it was at Wembley. It was like 92,000 people there. Huge game because obviously we're massive underdogs. As were Portsmouth, you know, the fact that it was Portsmouth versus Cardiff in the final was interesting. But um, yeah, no, it was definitely... Um, a little bit nervous before that game, for sure. Yeah, and Portsmouth had some team back then as well. Portsmouth, that their team was actually ridiculous. I mean, look back at it, it was incredible. Like, if you look through it, David James, um, Nico Crantar, Pedro Mendes, Canu, Lasana Diara, um, Peter Crouch. I mean, the, the team was ridiculous. Distan, they're the top team, top team. Yeah. And um, I'll, I'll ask you this as well. See the the championship. See my opinion. I actually think it's arguably one of the most competitive and tough leagues in the world. Like, what was it like dealing with that schedule, like two, three games a week? Yeah, it's really really tough to begin with because in Scotland, you don't, obviously, there's not as many teams, so you, and there's not many teams in each league, so you don't play as much as what you do down there. Full on, like Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, every week, pretty much, and obviously got the cup games. I played fifty five games the first year. First year I played, so in my in my three and a half years at Rangers, I played like thirty five games. I played fifty five games in my first year down there. Started fifty on the bench for five, and it was just like wow. I mean, good for me because obviously I'd be out injured, so I was I was ready for that and good to get back into playing football all the time. But full on schedule, yeah, definitely. You say Adam Ramsey came through the ranks at Cardiff City. What was it like, obviously playing with Adam Ramsey? And then did you see he was going to go at the top? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of talk when I first joined Cardiff about this kid that was coming through and he was going to be the next best thing. And it was his first year sort of training in the YTS, in the youth team, like, day to day. And he, when I first seen him, I wasn't like, I was like, oh, okay, my, yeah, looks all right. Once he got used to playing and training every day, he was ridiculous. Honestly, like, the best young player I've ever seen, like, by a mile. He was, at 16, running training, First team training, as if he'd been a veteran. He was incredible. His mentality, his intelligence, his physicality, every, he had everything. It's no surprise to me that he went on and had a top career because he was a phenomenal player. 
So are you played by Craig Bellamy as well? He's obviously quite a like polarizing character. What was he like? Did you get on with him? Yeah, yeah, got on well with him. Yeah. So at the time, so we had um both Craig and I had young family. My wife got on with his wife at the time. Um and yeah, with a a good relationship with him. Totally respected how much of a professional he was. Like he was a top he was probably one of the best pros I've ever played with in terms of you know that dedication to your craft and looking after yourself and being a hundred percent, you know, professional. He was definitely right up there at the top. Um and no, it was he could clearly see why he had such a good career. Um so yeah, no, I just I had a lot of respect for him. Didn't play too much with him. Last year I was sort of in and out of the team, but he was obviously doing he was flying. Um, but yeah, no, demanding, demanding character, but it's no, you can clearly see why he'd had a top career. Yeah, so obviously you leave Cardiff and sign for your boyhood club, Aberdeen. That must have been quite a proud day for yourself and the family. Yeah, well, between that, I'd actually signed for Dundee again. So I'd actually left Dundee. Yeah, sorry, I Yeah, yeah, so I'd left Cardiff, didn't have a club, and we're thinking about staying in England, but it just never materialised. We'd had young twins at the time. So didn't want to move too far from Cardiff or if we were moving, like what I did, like a permanent deal for a couple of years. It just never materialised. And then I was speaking to Aberdeen and then Craig Brown actually called me and just said they'd spent all their budget and couldn't get us in, but he was going to look at me again in January. And then Baz, Barry Smith, who was a Dundee captain at that time, who a Dundee manager, sorry, who had played with obviously for so many games at Dundee, says just come back up to Dundee. They were in the Championship, so they weren't even in the Prem. So I'd went from basically Championship Cardiff to Championship Scotland, which, you know, he could probably look at as, as a as a downgrade, of course. And um, But I needed to get, get, get games again. So went up, played 12 games, scored four goals, was flying, really enjoying it. And then and Aberdeen came back in in January and then moved there, signed an 18-month deal, yeah. Yeah, and then so obviously when you signed to uh, Aberdeen, they were going through like after Craig Brown left, I think they were going through like a transition phase. Um, were you surprised mm. that McInnes uh, didn't keep you on? Not really, not really, no, because I I was older then, you know, so I'd have been thirty four maybe, yeah, probably thirty four, thirty five when Dell came in. I'd have been thirty four when he came in probably, um, and I wasn't sure if I was going to continue, so. I, I definitely felt like I could have continued and played for Aberdeen another year, definitely, if he, if he wanted to keep me. But I do understand being that bit older, wanting to put his own sort of stamp on the team. Totally understood it, totally respected it. Got on with Dell. I've met him loads of times since and got nothing but respect for him. He's done a top job, top manager. Um, so, yeah, I could understand why he done it. Um, and there's certainly no hard feelings. I was gutted to leave my club, obviously being Aberdeen and, and leaving home. It was easy for my family to come and see the see the uh, team and see me playing and see the kids easily. So that was tough. But, um, yeah, no, I totally understand, understood what he was doing, yeah. So you finished your career at Dundee, and I feel as though that was, like, the perfect way for you to do that, win the championship with the club that you started your career with. No, I was. It was amazing. Like like I say, when I, when I left Aberdeen, like, when I got told from uh, Dell that I wasn't going to be kept on, and he, he made a lot of changes, you know, it was, it was at that point because... You know, obviously, as I say, my wife's Aussie, we're thinking about emigrating soon and could easily have left then. Um, but pretty much the day when I left Aberdeen, John Brown, who was the coach at Dundee at the time, told me the same day. He says, listen, you need to come back here. We're going to have a right go of it, getting out the the championship, getting back up to the Prem. You'll be club captain. You can also do your continue your coaching because I started coaching. You can always can you can take over the reserve team and, and coach them to get you into that. Um 
but and, and, and stay in Aberdeen. So me and Martin Boyle were traveling. Um, so I didn't have to move house or anything. So I was thinking, you know what? I'm gonna be a long time retired. Let's uh let's do it basically. So um yeah, it turned out to be an amazing decision and you know a great way to finish, you know. What was it like working uh, under Bomber? Great. Bomber was great. Um obviously knew him from Rangers, proper old school. Uh really enjoyed the preseason. I was actually surprised there wasn't too much running, it was more like ball work, which is great. We had a really good team, a really good dressing room that I still keep in touch with to this day. Um, so yeah, it was. I really, really enjoyed it, and um, just like to get the job done. Obviously, Bomber left during that season, but um, yeah, I really enjoyed working with Bomber. Yeah, because yeah, obviously, I think that that move was perfect for you as well, because I think you'd done a bit of experience as uh, with the reserves as a manager. Yeah, yeah. So I done that. So I was basically doing that on a Monday night. So play the game Saturday. Uh, I would train myself on the Monday, and then I would go and take the reserves on the Monday night. Um, really good sort of introduction into managing the team. And anyone who didn't play in the first team on the Saturday was playing in the reserves. So I was coaching really top players at it, along with the young boys. Um, so it was great. I had a really good time. Yeah, so so basically, obviously you've had a lot of wild nights out throughout your career, but if you had to pinpoint one that won't get you in trouble, what would you say was the, the, the craziest team night out that you had? Yeah, well... Um... Well, after we won the league for Dundee, we got all expenses paid to Ibiza. That was that was great fun. Um, we were there for a few days, so that was that was amazing. We moved into a, or sort of Ed got this new hotel. It was all inclusive, um, and I don't think they were expecting twenty boys, twenty guys to be drinking the bar dry every night. So that was an amazing time. Um, I'd been out in London a few times with Cardiff. Um, been in Newcastle with the boys. Yeah, there was many many nights out. It was. Um, Good fun. But so I'll ask you this as well. See you as a captain. How would you describe yourself as like a leader? Would you would you say you're the type that's a like not a shouting and ball, but but lead by example kind of captain? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you know, I think if you'd ask any of the boys what type of captain was, it was definitely not like you know, shouting and balling at them. It was more like, like you say, lean by example. So always training correctly, doing the right warm-up, showing everyone the way to do it and sort of getting them to follow. Um, that sort of leadership, but in saying that, also when if I needed to stand up to like the coach or go and approach the coach about something, the manager or about something that the boys knew I would do that, and they sort of had to back that that as well. But I think it took a it took a long time to get to to be comfortable to do that. You know, you can't do that as a as an elder, as a captain if you're a young captain unless you've got an incredible leadership skills. So it took me a long time to sort of learn that. So by the time I got to you know, Dundee the third time in the last year, you know, I was more than comfortable being captain and ready for it. And it was it was something I really enjoyed. And I think the boys respected the fact that I would stand up for them when needed, um, but also just muck in and do everything else that, you know, they would expect to do. I would obviously expect that of myself and, and done that as well. So who would you say throughout your career is the, the toughest player you played against? Played against? That's easy. Yeah, it was not easy, but... Uh, Luka Modric was the best player I've ever played against, you know, directly against. Um, so I played against him, obviously, for Scotland against Croatia and just couldn't get near him, couldn't get near him. And he was still at Spurs at that time. He hadn't even went to Real Madrid, but, like, honestly, his twisting and turning and, and just his vision and his his all-round play was ridiculous and it was really tough. A really tough night. Um, but I've been lucky to see some top players in, in full flight, so 
Um, but direct opponent would probably be Modric. Yeah. So do you think we will ever see you back in Scotland as a coach or a manager? You know what? You never say never. You never say never. You know, I think if if I hadn't emigrated straight away, then that's definitely what I would have done. I would have definitely tried to get into that. You know, I'd been doing my licenses for a few years. You know, I've kept them up to date now. Um, it's definitely something that I would have tried to do straight away from from retiring. Um, I just had a different path because obviously I moved out to Australia and um, got into other other you know other lines of work and technology, but. Um, it's definitely, you know, if you've been growing up, if you've grown up and done spent the majority of your life playing football, it's definitely a life that's 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 good. Um so never, I don't know, never say never. We'll, we'll see what happens. So looking back at your career, Gavin, what would you say was your best moment? I think the pinnacle is is playing for Scotland. You know, I've been lucky enough to do a lot of things. You know, lifting the league on the last day of my last game. For Dundee was was huge because it's the only medal I won. It was the last day of my career. You know, it was the club I'd been at since I was was a boy. Um, so three times. So that was good. But definitely I think playing for Scotland's the pinnacle, to be honest. What would Gavin Ray now say to Gavin Ray at 20 years old? <laughs> Just relax and try and enjoy it. Try and enjoy it more, to be honest. Just try and enjoy uh playing football and 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 just just enjoy it as much as you can because it's, uh, it's a it can be tough but yeah, it's um just work work your work your hardest and enjoy. It. And uh, just finally, Gavin, uh, ask everyone this right who's been on the podcast. Who would you say the goat is, Ronaldo or Messi? Oh, that's tough. It's tough. They're both phenomenal. I think I think Messi is the best. To be honest, I love Ronaldo and what he's done and how professional he is and, and what he's done for the game. But I think Messi, just natural ability and what he's done. Um, yeah, I'd probably say Messi, to be honest. Gavin, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they're available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Until next time, take care and we'll see you soon.